Hey there, just want to jump in here before the episode started and about a quick disclaimer. You do not have to have watched The Room to enjoy this uh, podcast episode. We watched this movie, so you didn't have to. And so you could just enjoy our commentary on it. But I would also love to say that this movie is available for free in its entirety on YouTube. So if you want to watch it, go right ahead. And I encourage you, it will just enhance your entertainment in this episode. But you also do not have to watch it in, in order to enjoy this episode. So we watched it, so you don't have to. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Nothing But Nonsense podcast. This episode, we are talking The Room 2003. And I welcome my other co-host to talk about The Room as well. That kind of got away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew's just very excited to talk about it. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I love The Room so much. So... For those of you who are uninformed, let me give you a tiny bit of history about The Room. The Room was a movie is is a movie written, directed, produced by the one and only Thomas Wiseau. And if you're wondering, what does Thomas Wiseau look like? Well, if you look at the art for this episode, those are two frames from the movie. But I'd also encourage you to look up more pictures of Tommy Wiseau. He is... He's, he's an interesting fellow. Let me give you a little history about Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Nobody knows how old he is. Nobody knows where he's from. Nobody knows where he gets his money from. And that's pretty much it. He also claims to be a vampire at some times. Interestingly I mean, enough, he Google sure looks says like he's one. 67 years old. That's just a guess. That's a, that's, yeah. that's a guess. from Because if you... <laughs> If you read the book, uh, The Disaster Artist, which is a, is a history of uh, the relationship between the main actor, Greg Sestero, and Tommy Wiseau, and the history of the production of The Room, which I highly encourage. If you watch the movie, I highly encourage you either read the book or listen to the audiobook, which is narrated by Greg Sestero, and he does a fantastic Tommy impression. It's so good. But I very highly, and you'll get so much more information. So... This movie was is the brainchild of Tommy Wiseau, and it shows because this movie is terrible. It was made in two thousand three for six million dollars. Once again, six million dollars was spent on this movie, and nobody knows where it came from. <laughs> the- and nobody knows where it went either. If you actually watched the movie, <laughs> made exactly. just under five million as well. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was released in 2003 to a middling, fantastic return of I think about three thousand dollars, maybe less. And so (laughs) it it has since become a call hit. But that happened because a group of film a group of students were walking by a theater one night in downtown L.A. and they saw a sign on a theater that said "No refunds." And so they go up to the theater (laughs) and it is showing the room. And so they went and saw it, and then from and the rest is history. It's become a cult classic, beloved by people across the nation, across the world. The, the, you go to sold out screenings anywhere in any city. People love it. It's fantastic. There's so many different things that have uh, 
One thing that we'll get to later in the film is there is a piece of set decorating, which are uh, pictures of picture frames with the pictures of spoons. And so <laughs> when those spoons come on screen, it is tradition for people in the audience to take their they will have plastic spoons with it that they have brought themselves and they will chuck them at the screen. And it's a it's a great time <laughs> watching this. I highly recommend you either. Either go try to find a screening near you or just get a bunch of friends together and watch this movie because it is, it's great. It's great to watch with a crowd. It's, it's great to watch on your own, but it's, there's a yeah. totally different. So and I, we definitely recommend you watch the version on YouTube because it is, yeah. uh, find a clean version because there's about 11 yeah. minutes that you don't want to watch. There <laughs> is, this movie contains uh, and 11 minutes. Shouldn't watch. Yeah. This movie contains... 11 minutes of sex scenes one of the sex scenes which is uh complete is has footage from one of the other scenes that is just like not original footage it's just the extent of the other scene that has been cut into two scenes so yeah if you go on youtube you can find the clean version where all that stuff is neatly cut out and i, and I will say you watch that it's version brilliantly edited as well because they'll just put in like a big text box that says nope with like just a screaming sound of some dude going ah over like instead of actually and then that they just cut right to the next scene yeah it's really yeah, it's, well done it's fantastic so now that our brief history and brief and our disclaimer about which version of the room you should watch uh Let's get into what do you guys think? What do you guys? What are you guys' initial reaction after watching this this masterpiece of filmmaking? So I'm gonna let you go first. <laughs> um, it is a movie. Uh, of all the movies that I have seen, it is definitely it is one, one of them. Um, yeah, the whole movie I think itself just doesn't even know what it's doing. Like there are so many plot points oh, yeah. that just they never come back to. Uh, things oh, just yeah. happen and they're forgotten about yep. <laughs> immediately recastings happen in the middle of the movie uh yep. yeah we'll get to that down the road i'm sure and <laughs> and uh ami is probably the driest actor i've seen in a while <laughs> and also can't remember the lines that he wrote uh oh, yeah. for himself <laughs> which is incredible <laughs> that that you can't remember that um and lisa is the worst character like in terms of just personality that i've a ever monster. seen she's a monster a monster person. she is a horrible person a monster beyond monsters <laughs> she should just uh heed the advice of her of her mom claudette <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with austin it is a movie is a great way of putting it and uh it's just like when you watch it, you just had at some points you just have a really hard time believing this was actually a movie that actually came out like as a movie and not as like yep. a comedy <laughs> sketch on YouTube or something. Like, this was intended to be a one hundred percent dramatic piece. Tommy yeah. claimed that after you he in the book in the book Disaster Artist he talked when he says when he's shows it to greg he claims that after you watch this you will not sleep for two weeks <laughs> you'll be so so moved and so emotional about the film you will not sleep for two weeks i feel like that's that's how he wrote this movie is he didn't sleep for two weeks and he came to, he, he wrote this up in the process yeah. i will give this movie one thing uh it has a 3.6 on imdb 
which is over double the show Velma. Which is a 1.5. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. That is great. Yeah, it's just just top to bottom clunky dialogue that sounds like it's written by a five-year-old. You got scenes that are nonsensical, and as Dawson said, scenes that seem like they should go somewhere and just don't or are never referenced again. And just just wall-to-wall chaos is how I would describe this movie. Yeah. It's yeah, very so, quotable, though. It is. Oh, there yes. are some good lines in this movie. <laughs> I uh, It's so amazing. So to give our audience who have not seen the movie a bit of backstory but a bit a, a bit of a plot synopsis yes this movie this movie is about the main character johnny johnny works a job which i believe to either be in the tech business or a uh or at a bank and if it sounds like i'm i don't remember this plot it's not that i don't remember it's that this is it's hard to figure out there's really a plot is. in there somewhere and so it's about Johnny and his fiance Lisa, and mm-hmm. so Lisa and so Johnny is this hardworking all-American guy who's just trying to provide a wife, uh, a life for his future wife Lisa. But Lisa is done with Johnny. She is she's a woman in her prime, and she is ready to to get back out there. She has been she's been uh, t- with Johnny for five years, and she is ready to get back out there. And so. She sets her sights on Johnny's best friend. Mark. 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 <laughs> I was only thinking. I was only thinking of Greg, which Greg Sestero is the character, is the actor who plays Mark. But uh, is uh, Mark. She sets his sights, and so behind Johnny's back, this whirlwind romance starts off between Lisa and Mark, which are the uh, main characters of a few of the spicy scenes that are cut out of the version, and so. <laughs> The rest of the movie follows these two as Lisa becomes more and more fed up with Johnny and just trying to move on and is trying to, uh, I don't even know. (laughs) It's really, it's it's really tough to tell because not only does Lisa constantly contradict herself, but every time she starts going on some sort of like, like a uh, little tirade, like explaining her situation. She just immediately would go, I don't want to talk about it. Just out of nowhere. She says, I yeah. don't want to talk about it at least five times in this movie. When do it, when having a conversation that actually might <laughs> help explain the plot yeah. or explain her thinking yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So Johnny's going crazy trying to figure out what's going on with Lisa because the movie starts out. They're very much in love. They're very much uh, happy together, but then slowly as the movie goes on, Lisa draws further into herself and draws further away from Johnny, and Johnny's trying to figure out why. Mark, on the other hand, is trying to deal with these confusing thoughts and feelings. He's in love with Lisa, or he's not in love with Lisa. He doesn't want to betray Johnny, but on the other hand, he uh, he's thinking, oh, why, why don't I just... I don't know what he's thinking. It's It's... <laughs> Because this, like I said before, this movie, this movie is insane. It's it's insane. It's it's insane. This <laughs> is a convoluted plot that it's in there somewhere, but it's just chock full of nothing but nonsense, which I think is perfect for our. But it's just it's insane. It is. There's storylines that go nowhere. Characters that come out and come in and out and disappear over the film. 
Uh, there's a moment where Claudette, Lisa's mother, who is my favorite character, by the way, uh, <laughs> announces that she has breast cancer, and it is never brought... Lisa's response is, oh, you'll be fine, and is never brought up again. <laughs> I don't think you're doing the line quite justice. The way that she's having a conversation with Lisa, because there are several scenes where Claudette comes in and is like, you know, kind of the voice of reason, if you will, to Lisa, or trying to be. Yeah. And she goes... I'm dying. And then Lisa goes, you're not dying. And she goes, no, I got the test results back. I definitely have breast definitely cancer. Have breast cancer. <laughs> so it, it, it assumes that this is a previous conversation that she was going in for test results. Yeah. And these are issues that she was dealing with before. And these are now she's announcing that it has come to this thing. And the doctors told her, but it's never brought up again. Not, <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. Oh, there's also an amazing character by the name of Denny. That's oh, not gosh. you haven't misheard me, dear listener. It is not Danny. It is Denny. D E N N Y. Like Denny's, but singular. There's only one Denny. Denny is a young college student living in the same building as uh, Johnny and Lisa, and he's basically become Johnny's. Uh, is ta- Johnny's taken him under his wing, and he's paid for his schooling. He even got him an apartment in the same building as them. And John Denny is the innocent, innocent person in all of this. He is just, <laughs> just going about life, just thinking everything's great, except for the one scene, which is the scene of Chris, uh, the deduction of the incredible character of Chris R, the drug dealer. What does the R stand out for? Out of nowhere, I have no idea. Yeah, where Danny is held, Denny, Danny, not Denny is held at gunpoint. <laughs> Where Chris R violently demands that he bring his money, where Denny responds, "It's coming. It'll be here in five minutes." Who's bringing the money? Where is <laughs> no it coming from? Knows. What drugs is Denny taking? Which other characters ask him, "What drugs are you taking?" Uh, nobody knows. The question <laughs> is never answered, and it's never brought up again. Yep. And also, that scene as well comes out of nowhere completely. Because he's oh, yeah. just the there's the roof of the apartment building. I assume it's the roof of the apartment building, and yeah. it's where a couple different scenes take place. And it, they just show Denny up there, and I think that's the first time we see the roof set as well. Yeah, I think so. So he's just standing up there, and then this figure appears in the doorway. And who is it? It's this dude in a tank top and a beanie who we've never seen before, who then just immediately begins threatening Denny. <laughs> And it's just a total, total shift that is, again, like you just said, never really explored or brought back again. We don't see Chris R. after that scene. We never find (laughs) out anything from that scene further. It just exists. The the action comes to a peak when Johnny and Mark burst out of the small tin outhouse uh, that is supposed to be the roof access point bursts out onto the roof and wrestles the gun away from Chris R and then Chris and then De- and then they uh escort Chris R at gunpoint off of the roof and into the uh null void that exists outside of the room <laughs> um, pretty much yeah. yep so I think my favorite sequence of events was definitely the flower shop Oh yeah, oh, that yeah. was where, that was right at the beginning of the movie, I think. Or yeah, in the early where, uh, action. Yeah, yeah where uh, um, Mark or Johnny, Johnny 
uh, where he walks into the the flower shop and it's like a real it's a real store the oh, yeah. the cashier's not an actress she's just a cashier uh probably the owner of the shop yeah. and uh yeah they like, were she was the like, owner and he's like oh hi and she's like oh i didn't know it was you johnny and she was just like <laughs> looking at him the whole time and he's like it was him taking off his sunglasses <laughs> Yeah. That his his sunglasses that revealed his his hidden identity to yeah because there's no way yeah. to know it's him unless he takes the sunglasses off there's no yeah. other there's it's absolutely like the, no other way you could possibly it's like the MCU out. the MCU uh for hide uh disguise <laughs> yeah impenetrable with baseball hat and sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> then he asks for like a dozen ro- red roses and then she hands them to him like immediately and he goes. Uh, and she tells him how much it is, and he goes, "Oh, thank you, hi, doggy," and then leaves. Like it takes <laughs> fifteen a seconds. Yeah, a it's the quickest, the quickest yeah. transaction I've ever seen in a movie in my it, life. It, it goes like, I'm snapping I, my fingers. I don't know if you can I, hear it or not, but it goes so fast. I looked it up. It's it's literally sixteen seconds. He walks in the store. She's like, "Oh, I didn't recognize you." He's like, "Can I have roses?" Gives her. She gives him the roses, and then he's like, "Oh, hi, doggy," and then leaves. No, and you're there's a dog it, on the counter. You're like, describing it perfectly too. Like it's literally like there's no pauses or anything between any of the lines. It's like, "Oh, I didn't realize he was you, Johnny." Oh, thank you for the twelve roses, please. Oh, how much? It's this much. Okay, thank you. Hi, doggy. Bye. Okay, it's <laughs> Nineteen dollars gives her twenty. Keep the change. Oh, hi, Dougie, and leaves. You're my. And <laughs> you're forgetting so the good. best part. You're forgetting the best part. As he walks out, she goes, "You're my favorite customer." <laughs> so I thought the only... best part was that no one actually knew there was a dog there until he goes, "Oh, hi, Dougie." Yeah, yeah, Andrew, you and said that. You said that's actually true from set, right? Yeah. Like, and during the production, he he asked if the dog was real. <laughs> yeah, during the production of the set. Yeah, there, most of the scene. There's this scene, uh, this scene, and then another scene in in a coffee shop. They were both improvised on the day. This was they're shooting in San Francisco, which is where the film takes place. And they make that very it, clear in the movie. In case you they... forget it, during the movie they have <laughs> several different transitions, uh, transition scenes over the what panning across the Golden Gate Bridge, panning back across the Golden Gate Bridge, panning across Alcatraz. Panning back across Alcatraz, panning across the skyline, panning back across the skyline. <laughs> There's so in case many you ever forget. establishing there trans- shots. There are transitions where you go from this like a party, and then it transitions, and then you're back at the same party. It's like it, yep. it, it yeah, it's like it like interrupts scenes almost with these with these establishing shots of the city, just in case yeah. you forgot where it is. Yeah, and so so during production, they uh, Johnny. Uh, Tommy came up with this scene for shooting at a, uh, a flower shop. And so they found a flower shop. They asked the owners, hey, can we sh- we'll pay you. Can we shoot in your shop? And they said, okay. And so the lady who is the cashier, she is one of the owners of the shop. And so they, they're they shooting these scenes, and they go through a couple takes. And one of the scenes, John uh, Tommy goes, oh, hi, doggy, and passes the thing. And the dog was sitting on the counter the entire time, but it was so still <laughs> And so uh, old and so unassuming that nobody realized it was there, and they're like, yeah. "Oh wow, that's that's incredible!" The shop is there. just very busy looking in general. So yeah. like, I love. I didn't and notice so... the dog until he went, "Oh hi, doggy!" Like in the actual yeah. shot. And so I was like, "Wait, like, there's oh, a dog there!" Yeah, he improved. He improvised that line, and everyone was like really stunned because he f- doesn't know most of his lines. And so, <laughs> and so. Uh, they realized that, like, oh, that's great. We'll keep it in. And so during 
between one of the takes, Tommy goes up to the uh, the the cashier lady. And she asks, "Oh, he's like, oh, I like your dog. Is real thing, right?" And he's like, and the lady was just so stunned and taking it back. He's like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah, is real thing." And she was just so stunned that Tommy would ask if her dog was a real thing, <laughs> and she was so blown away. Oh, Proof that goodness. he is a vampire. <laughs> yeah, I I absolutely yeah. loved that scene. It's it really it really sets you up in case like the first scene of the movie, which is just Johnny and Lisa in the apartment. In case that scene didn't set you up for what to expect, that scene in the flower shop does an excellent job of giving you a another idea of what to expect from the rest of this movie. What should set you up for what to expect from this movie is this. Uh... I think we counted it out. It was five different credits Tommy gives himself throughout the rest. <laughs> yep. So usually if someone does a lot of work on the film, they'll get one credit with a list of things they did on top of it. So, But Johnny has a separate uh, writing, directing, producing, and acting credit it's, all within the like, opening of the film. Yeah, It's like a news, uh, you know, like one of those high school newscasts where it's like written and directed by this person, uh, acted by this per- Like, it's the same person yeah. for all the yeah. things because they only have mm-hmm. two people who make the newscast in the morning or whatever. And it, it, it's got the same production quality, honestly. Tommy was acting yeah. like he was the guy that did all the work on the school project and didn't want, yeah, any, exactly. of his lazy, oh, yeah. and didn't want any of his lazy group mates to get any credit. That is a little bit more truer than you're thinking. Uh, really? A little bit more... A little bit more, a little bit more of a peek into uh, Tommy's reality because there's a <laughs> there's a crew member named Sandy. I forget his last name. Who was the script supervisor and basically the second director on the on the movie, where huh. he basically and so he basically like directed a lot of Tommy's acting, oh. or at least attempted to. And so <laughs> in the movie, he is listed as script supervisor and also as one of Tommy's assistants. <laughs> oh man. And so, yeah, it's 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 bad. Yeah, this movie, this movie is an experience. It's an experience unlike really any is. other movie, and it's unlike any of the other movies we've watched previously. Like Morbius right. was bad, was bad, but it was a big budget bad. Like there was a lot of people throwing a lot of crap at the screen, and there was it was just you made a bunch of terrible choices with the way at the, the screen though. Yeah, <laughs> just a bunch of terrible choices with like the main star and the story and just some and some of the effects that they chose to do and like it was just it's just bad and then we looked at fan stick a little while ago and that movie was bad but it was bad in different ways it was like there's a movie you can chip away you can take like your ice pick or your uh your stone chisel you can chip away and there's a movie in there somewhere you just gotta somewhere. find it yeah there's somewhere but this movie is different as in there's no, there's not even a movie in there to begin with. It's like not even like the basic, pre- like the other movies, they had like the premise where they fought, followed from A to B and there was a few different storylines in between. This mm-hmm. movie, we pick up storylines, we drop them. We pick up different things. There's a point at the end of the movie, the movie culminates in a uh, birthday party uh, for Johnny and that mm-hmm. which Lisa has been cheating on Johnny this entire higher movie but for some reason is still committed to throwing him a birthday party and so she throws (laughs) in this birthday party and so it takes place in there the most the majority of this movie takes place on this terrible green screen roof scene that matthew talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and then 
and and then the rest of it takes part place in Johnny and Lisa's apartment. You might and say so, it takes place in the room. The room, the room. exactly. <laughs> it's not very hard to figure out what the room is in this yes. movie. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, so, the title is uh, very much on the nose. Yeah, and so they at there's at one point where uh, Lisa says, or no, I think Johnny says, "Hey, let's all go outside and get some air." And so then they got to a second roof scene, roof <laughs> set that they that was built uh, very quickly by the. Cask, as after they had already torn down the previous roof scene, they built another one. And so they built the set, and so they sh- this big party scene, everyone's outside. It's more of like a, it's like a balcony type idea. Or a little bit more than a balcony. It's like a big big area with, a, with like tables and chairs and stuff. And mm-hmm. so there's a point Johnny walks up and he says, hey everybody, I've got something news. We're expecting. And it's like, oh, there's like what? 15 minutes left in this movie, and now we're adding a, another <laughs> plot line. And then there's some people that go, and then there's some people, uh, friends of Johnny and Lisa that go up to Lisa and like, hey, this is crazy. Are you even pregnant? She's like, I don't know. It's like, what? Well, she said there's she's no like, baby. No, she's, like, she's like, I lied to him. And I'm like, you, how? He's going to find out. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a, there's a few obvious her uh, log- things. Her logic, her logic is, well, we're probably going to have a kid eventually, right? <laughs> Yeah, but she also <laughs> has been talking about leaving him and not getting together with him this entire movie. She then says, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, again, <laughs> just something else she doesn't want to talk about. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Lisa. So Lisa is played by uh, an actress named Juliette Daniels, I think is her name. And by all accounts, she was one of the sweetest, kindest nicest people on the entire set she endured all of johnny's torment torture the terrible sex scenes they had to do and she was just she endured all of it she was a trooper she was an amazing she had uh she had just recently at the time of the production she had just recently moved from texas and was uh uh working a job and also doing the room and sending money back to her family in Texas. Oh wow. But she is one of she is one of the most vile and Lisa is one of the most vile and villainous characters in the entire history of cinema. Like mm-hmm. there are actually like criminals and murderers in other movies that are not half as evil as uh Lisa is. It's like it's she's so evil. Mm-hmm. There's literally scenes where she's like bragging to her friend about how she's like playing all of her cards right and she's like gonna end up getting all of she says something like, I'm going for it all or something like that. And then her friend who's like, you know, loyal to one guy, she's like telling her basically, like, you gotta try going for it all too, or something to that extent. I don't remember. Yeah, she's like trying to corrupt her friend. Yeah, exactly. The sad part is I feel like Lisa's the most realistic character in this movie. Yes, I mean like there all are all of her actions. Unfortun- I'm like, I could see people doing this to like other people. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's all that is everything she does. People have done, and people will probably do again. Yeah. Like maybe it's... not all at once, like she did, but yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she is just and 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 the juxtaposition is Tom is Tommy's character Johnny, which he he wrote for himself. <laughs> it's just nothing but this altruistic guy. He's helping out Denny with his schooling and giving a place to live. 
He's trying to get a promotion. He's hardworking, providing a life for Lisa, and he's just a he's just given every bad he's just given every bad thing. His best friend betrays him. His girlfriend betrays him. The only one who doesn't betray him is Denny. And even he yeah, kind so. of betrays him a little bit because he confesses his love for Lisa. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have, think it's I... it's a weird. Oh. No, no, no. Go ahead. I say it's a weird. It's I think it's supposed to be. That's the only part of the movie that kind of makes sense. It's just it's a bit of a juxtaposition between Mark, who's going behind uh, Johnny's back and sleeping with his fiance, while uh, Denny just like comes right out the open and says it. And then Tommy's response is like, <laughs> "If we if everyone loved each other, this world would be a better place." And it's like, "Oh, cool." What I have that that, I have a that... note written. I have a note written down here that be, that just says. Why does every single character hit on or flirt with Lisa over the course of this movie? Because saying, the over the course that of she's got multiple men is insane. I think I think the one that really drove that question in my head home was it wasn't the scene where Denny comes in and says something like, "Wow, you look beautiful" or something to her because it's like, okay, well, this guy's kind of like their kid, so there's like this weird kind of dynamic yeah. between him it makes a little bit of sense but then there's just this random dude at the birthday party who just turns to the woman he's with and goes wow lisa's looking hot tonight or something like that oh, just, yeah. we, we yeah. don't know oh, who yeah. this guy is he just appears and he's talking makes... to like his girlfriend when he yeah says it. <laughs> it's just what i'm just like what the crap is that plus i noticed on that same rooftop scene what's his face uh the guy who got recast not in the peter? middle of the movie oh, the yeah. new yeah. peter not the new peter <laughs> yeah he like There's holds her hand really awkwardly when they're talking about like the baby and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> being yeah. her mm-hmm. real thing. Like he just he holds her ha- hand in such a delicate, awkward way where it's like, oh, he was doing that intentionally. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and yeah, yeah, it's like New <laughs> Peter uh, just had to hold her hand, I guess. Yeah. So there's a character. So touching on that part, there is a character named Peter who is Johnny's psychologist friend, and he's featured prominently in a number of scenes. But during production, the actor who played Peter, uh, he had prior commitments to other projects at the time. And so he said to Tommy, he said, hey, I got to be done by such and such time. And and Tommy reassured him time after time that this would be taken care of <laughs> and the situation and he would be done by that time. But that, that date came and... He was still needed on set, and he still had time, and he had. He's like, I can't do this anymore, and he left the production. And so, <laughs> in the final scenes, all the lines that are supposed to be given to Peter are given to some random guy, and the food doesn't part of... look anything like the other exactly. guy. Exactly, and the funny name, thing, I don't think. Go ahead. Go I don't ahead. know if his name is supposed to be Peter in the film. I think he's supposed to be a different character, but a completely different character introduced within the last twenty minutes of the movie. I think my favorite and part about it is core. just that. <laughs> I think my favorite part about it is just that there's no, like, explanation for it within the movie, which would be a lot to ask of this movie. I get that. But, like, there's no... It just happens. It's just... I remember we were watching it all together, and I'm like, who's this? And Andrew goes, oh, that's Peter. It's a different guy. Just new, different actor. Peter's replacement. Yeah, that's that's Peter's replacement. It's new Peter. And... His first scene, New Peter's first scene, probably has the best quote in the movie. Uh, Mark and him kind of have a little fight because oh, yeah. Peter's like, you shouldn't be doing this. And he's like, leave your stupid comments in your pocket. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite line. <laughs> it's yeah. a great the line. Who, the guy who plays, who the 
is Greg Ellery is the new actor, and his name is his character's name is Stephen. Okay, so it's it's <laughs> that is a great like because yeah, what happens is Mark and Lisa's like tells everyone, oh, let's go outside, and then being the manipulative piece of work that she is, she conveniently closes the door before Mark gets outside, and then the two of them start kissing or whatever, and then new Peter walks in on them, and that's what sparks the confrontation essentially. Which then leads to the line, keep your, what was it again? Keep your comments in keep your pocket. Your keep your stupid in comments your in your pocket. <laughs> I love that line It's so a great much. line. I think Mark had my favorite line in the movie as well, but it was a different scene. It was, um, it was right after the scene on the roof with Chris R and everything. And Mark's just like lying down at his place or something. And he's on the phone with Lisa. Lisa goes, I miss you. And Mark goes, I just saw you. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That one is another great one. It was like, it was one of two lines, I think, where it almost seems like they, it almost seems like the character became self-aware. The other one was, um, the other one was, so there's these two random characters, Mike and Michelle, I think are their names. Michelle is Lisa's friend that Lisa was trying to corrupt earlier. (laughs) So there's just this random scene. We don't know who these two characters are, but they just come into the apartment out of nowhere when no one's home. And then due to some conveniently placed cuts, I assume they have sex on the couch and then they promptly leave. And then that's it. That just happens. And then, and then, so they leave because Lisa and her mom walk in on them. Um, or whatever. I think they had, were closed at that point, but they walk in on them. And so then Lisa, so then they're sitting there and then Denny comes in cause the door is just unlocked, I guess. And, uh, what's, what's the mom's name? Claudette. Claudette. Claudette yeah. turns to Lisa and goes, how many people come in and out of this apartment? Oh, Claudette and then my it, favorite character because she points. She just basically says what everyone else is thinking. Yeah, <laughs> who is it that does. said you're you would be a robber's best friend? She said oh, that Claudette. too. She yeah. said, she that said too. if I was a, if I was a robber, you'd be my best friend. <laughs> it's amazing that even in a movie like this that has such clunky and uncomfortable dialogue, that's again just written so poorly and delivered so poorly at times. There's still some real winner lines in here. Like there's I've got, yeah. a, I've got a list of some of the best ones up right now. Go for it. I can read through some of them. Uh, number one on this list uh, is, I'm so happy I have you as my best friend. And this is uh, Johnny talking to Mark. Mm-hmm. And he says, and I love Lisa so much. <laughs> his, his, like, cadence flows yeah. nonsensically. Yeah. <laughs> I think I also he, he noticed says in it, the movie that um, 95%, if not 100%, of all of Johnny's audio has been redubbed. This was due yeah. to Johnny's ter- this is due to Tommy's terrible performance, but also Tommy hiring a unexperienced, an inexperienced, unseasoned uh, audio crew who were oh, constantly no. looking at the manuals for the equipment and trying to figure out what was going on. Most of the dialogue was unusable. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh and then uh then there's I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi Mark. Yeah. That's the that's the legendary <laughs> That's the clip most that iconic I think most one. People know. Yeah. That, yeah. It's so it throws good. the water so, bottle on the ground. Oh hi Mark. So that scene Oh hi Mark. That scene uh is one of the most iconic scenes. <clears throat> that scene took almost I think four hundred takes and <laughs> three and three hours to shoot. Oh my the god. Original, <laughs> yeah. 
The original scene, the original scene didn't even conclude the water bottle. It was part of the idea to help Tommy. Uh, remember his uh, lines. Yeah, remember his lines. <laughs> so he throws a water bottle, and that was just like supposed to be like that was uh, Greg's idea to try and keep him uh, focused. But yeah, it literally took four. I think it was like three to four hours and almost three hundred takes to uh, <laughs> get that insane. shot down. And it's literally. It's then he throws deliver- the water bottle down and it's great. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's good. and it's one of the most iconic scenes in the entire film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, next up on this list it says, "Why, Lisa? Why? Why? <laughs> why, Lisa? Why, Lisa? Why?" <laughs> and that's uh, that's uh, that's I think that's in the ending scene where he finds out that she's cheating on him, mm-hmm. and uh, that's for uh, also where, where the um. You'll see in the art, there's a part where there's a picture of Tommy where his hands are thrown up in the air. That's where you're tearing me apart, Lisa. Oh, yeah, that that is yeah. on this list. That's another, that's another <laughs> which classic. Is a, which is a ripoff of a line from the movie, uh, the James Dean movie, Rebel Without a Cause, where in the opening, in part of the opening scenes, he screams, he's drunk and screams at his parents that you're tearing him, you're tearing me apart. And he uh, ripped that line off completely. <laughs> and used it in his movie because he uh, Tommy's a big fan of James Dean. Interesting. Did you have more and on then, that uh, list? There, there's of course. Uh, let me see the next one. I'm on a different list. Um, oh, <laughs> everybody betray me! I fed up with this world. Oh yeah, I fed up with everybody betray me. I fed up with this world. <laughs> I like how we have Dawson reading it verbatim and then Andrew doing a Tommy Wiseau impression. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to deliver the right uh, cadence. Yeah, it, that's yeah. good. You're doing a pretty good job because it's pretty uh, iconic, I would say. Iconic's the best word I think I can come up with. <laughs> and there's a... Uh, any two's great, but three's a crowd. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, that was... Uh, that's the first scene right before the uh, first sex scene. Where right before they so, cut... <laughs> the scene. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say this. The scene opens. Johnny comes in, gives Lisa a dozen red roses, and gives her a red. Or no, I think he gives her a dress. This is before the roses. Yeah, it's a dress. He gives her a dress, and it's a red dress. She comes down. Whole thing. She's in a really good. She's a beautiful red dress. And so Denny comes in, and he's like, "Oh, hey." And then they're like, "It's like you guys want to hang out?" It's like, "No, I think we'll go upstairs." And so they go upstairs, and then Denny. Um, plops uh, on the bed with them and they're all just no, he first there. he grabs first he <laughs> reaches down to the table and grabs an apple and takes a giant juicy loud bite out of the apple <laughs> which i assumed was a porcelain apple the whole time no those were all real apples on the table the entire time <laughs> and so i think johnny's direction was it was a very sex sensual or sexual uh metaphor was the apple and so my god lisa and johnny go upstairs and they're like like they go, they go into bed, but and then they're like, uh, I think they're like, like hitting each other with pillows and like joking around. And then Denny walks up into their bedroom and <laughs> plops down on their bed. Yeah. And then he says, just... he's like, yeah, two's a, what was it? Uh, two was, yeah. I, I forgot have, already. I, I'm on a li- <laughs> I'm on a different list. Um, Something but was... three's a crowd. Three's a crowd is the main point of it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Any two's great, but three's a crowd. Yeah, there it yeah, is. Three's a crowd. 
and then he t- he gets out to leave, and he takes his shoes with him, implying that he took his shoes off to get into bed with them. <laughs> this grown- is so weird. It's a very strange adult, scene. adult man who Denny was. He doesn't look it, but he was the oldest person besides Tommy in the cast. Or Which Claudette. is insane because he's playing like a kid. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. supposed to be playing like this nineteen-year-old kid, and he was like twenty-six, twenty-seven. <laughs> Name's Phil Philip Alderman. And there's the line we t- we talked about already. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have they breast have cancer. Breast cancer. <laughs> I love Claudette so much. Delivered the most Claudette. nonchalant direct way ever. Uh, can't remember her. Uh, and then her there's a uh, name. And there's a the one of the greater lines of this whole movie that has inspired many videos since. Chicken, Peter, you're just a little chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. They do the cheeping like three times in this movie. It's so weird. I had the cheeps stuck in my head for like weeks. Insane. Yeah, Johnny's Johnny's insane chicken impression, which will haunt you for the rest of your days. Oh yeah. And then, and then of course, there's let's go eat, huh? <laughs> I have one of my favorites written down here, which is when Johnny's talking. This is the first time we we meet Peter, old Peter, like the actual Peter. Oh, yeah. This is the first time we meet him, and Johnny's asking him for, like, advice about something, probably women. And um, he goes, he said something to the effect of, like, well, you're a psychologist, so what do you think about this? And then, like, ten seconds later, he goes, Peter, do you always play psychologist with us? Which he says to a literal yeah. psychologist that he could that he consulted for advice. Just oh, yeah. weird. Oh, there's Just... another interaction with between. I think it's either the same thing or a different scene with Peter, where they are drinking out of giant water bottles, and and Tommy and Johnny goes to Peter. He's like, you know what they say, love is blind, and that <laughs> is. I say that way too often. <laughs> But it's like one of it's one of my favorite. Um, if you want to get a good look at like a bunch of the good lines and the good scenes from the movie, go on to find the uh, Shmo Yoho on YouTube, the Gregory Brothers, and um, they uh, they did a songified version of the room, so you get a good idea of like all the greatest scenes. And that's it, basically like every time I think about the room, that basically plays on a loop inside my head. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. great. <clears throat> it's really Which, something. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you like Mark in this movie, Andrew, because I think he's a flat earther. Because he does say at one point, as far as I'm concerned, you can drop off the earth. That's a promise. <laughs> I don't so much like Mark. I like... Well, this ruins the movie for me now. But um, I don't so much like Mark as I love I like Greg Sestero. And I've, after, <laughs> he does after having lit... Listen to the mo- listen to the book several times. You get a real feel for him, and the in the situation he was stuck in. So <laughs> that brings me into like, how did uh, Greg Sestero get involved in the room in the first place? So he was uh, he knew Tommy for a long time. He met him in acting classes, and he knew him for five years, and he even lived with him for a period of time before production started. And during production. Um, he acted as the line producer, which 
I have a vague idea. As someone who went to film school, I have a vague idea what the line producer did, does. But uh, Mark did none of that. He didn't do anything the line producer did. He basically helped out. <laughs> he helped run the camera during auditions. He drew, He was t- basically acted as Tommy's chauffeur and basically part of his negotiating team for every uh, for everything that they did. And so the for most of the pre-production, Mark was played by a completely different actor named Don. And hmm. so all the way up until the first day of shooting, he was he was a different actor named Don. Even though the entire time Tommy was pestering uh Greg to play uh he always said that he wrote uh he wrote Mark for uh Greg, which Greg always thought meant something was had carried some very ominous connotations given that uh Mark portrays uh, Johnny and it's just basically a terrible person all around and so all the way up into the first first day of production he the night before production started they go out to dinner and Tommy begins pestering Mark once again this is the first chapter in the in the book and he pestering again and again and he's and Mark continues to say no and then Tommy's like, I'll make you one final offer. And he offers him a large sum of money, which is, we don't know how much money, but he offers him a large sum of money that you can't, that was, you couldn't, he couldn't turn down. So Tommy's plan is he had a, he had a system uh, on the set where he shot in digital and on film, which are two completely separate mediums. He had a special, uh, camera setup where it featured both cameras were on the same uh same like tripod uh setup and so they had two different crews one ran the film and one ran the digital so it was two different crews operating on the same setup and so his plan was to shoot mark on the film and don on the digital and then delete everything don did at the end and so it only took a few days before people realized that Don wasn't getting anything in the film and they were basically just replacing him with Mark. And so then Don eventually uh, confronted Mark and uh, quit the film. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. That is how uh, Greg ended up playing, playing Mark. Very and interesting. And you can basically find out more about that in the book, which, again, highly recommend everybody... If you watch the movie, I highly recommend you uh, you check it out. It's it gives you basically an entirely new perspective on the film. Well, I don't read, so I probably won't. But <laughs> well, you could. Well, Matthew, you can have it is, read, is read to by, you. Yeah, it's by, read, read by, by him. Greg, right? Yep. Oh, uh, if I uh, I want to hear his Tommy impression now, I might have to. There you go. Perfect. I ha. My plan is working. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, another fun fact about the movie is Tommy bought all of his equipment. And now I think you guys are wondering, why is that so weird that Tommy bought his equipment? Everybody in Hollywood rents. You know, why they rent for a very specific reason. Hollywood is, oh, technology in Hollywood is always constantly changing. So what is cutting edge today will be uh, outdated and gone by next week. And so everyone rents. Tommy spent an absurd, probably close to like $250,000 buying all his equipment. Oh my God. And that, that led him to being able to use 
a the studio of Burns and Sawyer, which is a uh, a rental pl- a re- uh, rental place and also a uh, retail a camera retailer, and mm-hmm. that's where they shot the majority. And it was most just because Tommy bought all of his equipment that they were allowed to uh, to shoot there, and so yeah, he bought all of his equipment and he just it was insane. And that's where at least a decent amount of the budget went to. So, hmm. yeah. and that's a very, uh, in, well. In case it's not, in case it's not an indication, just based on everything we've already heard about Tommy, he doesn't seem to be very conventional. Oh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> the funny thing is, he's all as fiscally irresponsible he is with other stuff. He's very like cheap and cheap, cheap, uh, cheap, 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 cheap. Exactly, <laughs> and hard on about. Uh, certain stuff like he he can't have any uh labels and anything that's why in the scene with uh peter the giant water bottle they're drinking up has no label because tommy uh i think greg quotes him as being the most concerned the person most concerned the only person you'll ever meet who's most concerned with copyright laws who uh who also doesn't have a law degree (laughs) and so he's terrified of copyright infringement and all that. And yet there's and, a Disney uh, store in the background of one of his shots. Uh-uh, not a Except Disney. Except it's, it's Isney it, because it's the Disney. Disney. <laughs> it's an Isney store. This is a, it is an alternate universe. Isney. Isney. <laughs> Isney. There you go. And Ironically, so, I, could, I could see Tommy's character saying, Isney. That is knee. Well, one of his favorite <laughs> his favorite things to say on set was we... We don't do Mick. We don't do Mickey Mouse production. We do real Hollywood thing, <laughs> which is very ironic when you look at uh, all of the sets on this movie, as they are all very obviously and painfully fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very so much so. That's one of my favorite things. And so well, another fun fact is uh, this. Uh, this production went through three separate crews really three separate i think at least three separate film crews oh my gosh there was the first crew uh got fed up with tommy and his uh direction it was i forget the guy's name who the first ran the first crew uh but he ended up saying he want tommy was notoriously late on set he would always, if they were, if the call time was at eight, Tommy would show up around eleven or noon, and he was notoriously horrendously late. And so, uh, one of the first, the first direct uh, director of photography came up to Tommy and was basically said, uh, "We need a line producer." And Greg and Tommy said, "Greg is the line producer." He's like, "No, Greg is not the line producer. He's the lead actor. He does not be need. He does not need to be doing all the stuff that he is required to do." And so. He says he's like if you don't have if you don't have a line producer by Monday I walk, and so the weekend passed and Monday came around and he said to him, he asked him and he said, uh, "Do you have a line producer?" And Tommy said, "Greg is line producer." And he said, "Okay." And he packed up his equipment and left. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next crew came when uh, talked to uh, Peter Anway, which was. Basically, he was the on-set uh, coordinator for Burns and Sawyer, which is the uh, place they were filming. And so 
he uh, got into contact with another uh, guy who was a super young guy, uh, fresh out of film school, and he he uh, he convinced Tommy to do it. He convinced him to do it. He convinced him to work with Tommy, and they came to a head when um, Claudette's character, Claudette's actress, she uh, during one of the they usually had no air conditioning in the studio so it was always blazing hot and everyone was dying all, all the time and so mm-hmm. during one day during one particularly hot day uh claudette's actor she passed out and they oh, had boy. to take her to the hospital and mm-hmm. so the the second second director of photography came up to tommy and said hey i need you need to get a generator so we can power some ac units and we'll need to take i have a friend who owns a generator place a generator rental company, and if you contact them, we can get a great rate, and we'll get this taken care of. And he's like, okay. And so the next, so the weekend passes, and then Monday comes up, and he goes up to Tommy. He's like, hey, so what's going on with our generator situation? He's like, oh, I called. They say they have no generator to give us today. And so (laughs) he's like, really? He's like, yep, they say they're all sold out. They have no generators to give us. And he was really taken aback, and he continued to pester Tommy about it. He ends up calling the place himself and said, and they said they never received a call. They never received any message from him. And mm. he called. He says he's like Tommy, you're a liar, and I'm not going to do this anymore. And he quit and he left. Back up. He left his equipment. And so the final produ- film crew came from a one of the guys who was working under the second guy. He wasn't a big fan of him, and he didn't really care for him. So he said he went up to Tommy. He's like, hey, just pay me. A hundred bucks an hour, a hundred bucks a day, and uh, I think it was some sort of money like that. And I'll and I'll run the film crew from you. Just uh, make sure I get credit for it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it ended up coming through for for production. Wow, dang! So there was a lot of drama in the production of this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> there was a point where they needed to do some more. Uh, some new casting for for actors that uh disappeared halfway through filming. <laughs> uh my I forget I forget Mike's girlfriend's name in the film. Michelle. Michelle, yeah, Michelle was played by a different actress who was friends with Don, but after Don got screwed over, he um she quit. And so <laughs> Tom, Tommy auditioned a bunch of new actresses at in the middle of the night in the Burns and Sawyer parking lot. Oh my gosh. And it was it's like at like ten o'clock at night, had them come, and like so many turned. And Greg says that so many turned away because I'm pretty sure they thought they were going to get murdered out here, seeing, <laughs> well, yeah, up and seeing, seeing Greg and Tommy in a par- empty parking lot. Thank God Greg was there, or they all probably would have ran away thinking they were about to yeah. get murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one, the only, the one who ended up playing Michelle, she was only like one of the bravest ones. <laughs> That yeah, Tommy would often audition his uh, his actresses by saying uh, saying something along the lines of like the actress would come into the room, she, she would greet them, and then Tommy would shout out, "Your sister just became lesbian," and and he was like, "Go!" and then they would stand there, <laughs> being being very confused and being like, "Excuse me," he's like. I'm sorry. This is very. This is very big Hollywood movie. If you cannot act, I'm going to have. To, I must ask 
you to leave. <laughs> so he would say that line. He would also say, your mother just died, something along those lines. And, like, expect people to, like, act. <laughs> just, and I love so, the idea of just giving people the most nonsensical, like, prompt ever. Just, like, I don't know. You opened the fridge and there's no more peanut butter. Go. There's pretty much, there's a few others in there that I can't remember specifically, but pretty much. At one point, they even, uh, they had Lisa cast as a, uh, as a Latina actor, actress, and, uh, I think she was having some issues with Tommy, and then, uh, Juliet came and asked to audition, and Greg remarks that this was the most Lisa thing she ever did during production, was, uh, basically steal a role from another actress. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe she is like Lisa in real life. <laughs> Deep down, it's all coming together. Yeah, this this movie is something else, and it I think is. I I have dipped I've dipped your guys's toes into the into the universe that is te- bad cinema because yeah, there are there are a ton of more movies I want to watch with you guys that are just. Really awful, because, like, up until now, we've watched bad movies, but, like, they had some good intention behind it. Like, Jared Leto like, was excited about Or, like, about some redeeming movie. qualities or things yeah. like that. Yeah. You could say, like, people, uh, like, with Morbius, people were excited to make the movie. With uh, Fan Four Stick, there were people who wanted to make a movie, but just got screwed over by productions. And these were, pe- and with The Room, it's people were mi- trying to make a movie but were impeded at every point by the mm-hmm. movie's creator. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the trend is with bad movies, like actual bad movies, there's only one person that thinks it's good and that's the person directing it. Oh yeah. And e- yeah. Everyone else is like, yeah, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> but they're like, "Hey, I'm getting paid." And then all the people watching it, they're like, "Yeah, this is bad, but it's bad in a good way where it's funny." Uh and I feel like yeah. a lot of times, the smaller budget, bad movies will throw s- uh, super unnecessary stuff in there, uh, which is exactly what the room does. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it really, like, it, it just becomes yeah. outlandish, and a I think sometimes they know like that's what gets people to watch it, but at the same time, like yeah. <laughs> I can't like think that uh, this one is clearly like, not with, very intentionally outlandish. No, it's just not kind of how it is. It was yeah. just Tommy being Tommy. Yeah. And it's that's it's that. it's basically Tommy's view and understanding of how the world works. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's and like I said, if you want to understand this, you don't have to. I feel like I don't want to keep pushing it, but if you just want a better understanding of the movie and you want a better understanding of how this came together, I urge you to read the read or just listen to the Disaster Artist. It's a fantastic book. It basically it it open up it opens up your third eye, but only to specifically look into the production of the room. <laughs> and it's or a if fascinating you don't want to do that, read. You could you could watch it on Broadway because apparently Tommy in 2018 said he he plans for the room to make broadway in two years it oh, still boy. hasn't happened but well covid killed it <laughs> probably I, ironically there's another uh production called the room that is coming to broadway this year and it's not 
Pennywise, it was uh, the room. It's someone else's. It's like a completely <laughs> different thing. Tommy Wiseman's the room instead. Yeah. <laughs> Timmy <laughs> Which Wiseman. I have no clue what the other one is about, but I saw it when I was looking for it. Um, a different room. Yeah, it's oh, a different this is... room. It's, I know uh... what you're talking about. This, is, this isn't the room, it's just room. Yeah, uh, I, Room is uh, Room is a an incredible movie, but it's got very, James Earl Jones, right? The Room, no Room is with. Uh, oh well, he's on uh, the list for. I guess is this Broadway adaptation of it. Oh well, yeah. Then he's in. He's just in the. Let's see. In Broadway in the Broadway version. He's probably yeah, just in the Broadway version. Yeah, if this is Room. Talk about a an awesome career, James Earl Jones. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite opposite things, of Tommy. <laughs> one of my favorite things ever is that at um, Dawson, you know this now firsthand. At every Michigan football game, there's a hype video they play that's narrated by James Earl Jones because he went to University of Michigan, and so it starts with just a shot of him putting on headphones in like a recording booth, and in his legendary voice, he just goes, "This is the University of Michigan." And it's so awesome. It gets the crowd hype every single time. Oh, yeah. It's he's so good. Legendary voice. And he's been around for so long. Yeah. Like, I, I heard him in... It was, like, in my class in 10th grade for English. And uh, he was narrating a book. And I want to think the book was, like, from the 50s or 60s. So he's been around doing stuff forever oh yeah and i think his first movie i'm looking at it right now um i think it was dr strange love might have been his first movie dr strange love and thunder haha <laughs> <laughs> i remember one of my favorite one of my favorite out of left field things yeah, i uh, ever saw from james earl jones was when he was in like a it was like a sprint or a t-mobile commercial and he was like him and someone else were like reading text messages back and forth so he was reading the text messages of like a 30 year old woman or something so it's just james <laughs> earl jones standing across from this other guy saying like totes my goats and stuff like that <laughs> it was so funny yeah his first movie is dr strange love or how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb which is a fantastic like movie 60, 1964 right yeah, 1964. But he did some other like TV series. Uh, yeah, the some other TV series. Like so small this man movie. has been acting for nearly 60 years. That's crazy. In, they named in a, film, because he started off in theater actually. Yeah, they he, named he a theater did that after when he was him. at Michigan. That's wild. They named a theater after him recently. Oh, did they? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I it's love really this cool. sidetrack. James Earl Jones is a great guy. He is. Shout out to James, James Earl Jones. Jones. We love James Earl Jones yeah. on this show. Absolute dub. Yep. This is probably the first time him and Tommy Wiseau have ever been mentioned in the same setting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> first time ever. I love his... I think the most... The thing I love him... Most of him just being like ridiculous is he was on an episode of the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon approaches him in like a bar or like a restaurant. <gasps> I think I saw this episode. It's like, my, my roommate walks college up to him. that show. He walks up to him and he's like, let me guess, you love Star Wars. And he's like, yes. He's like, well, I love Star Wars too. 
That's like awesome. everyone's like afraid. I think the other guys are like afraid of like angering him or irritating him. Because like I think he's like, oh, people coming up to him talking about Star Wars. He's like, I bet you love Star Wars. He's like, I love Star Wars too. And then they uh, <laughs> that show also did something did something great where it was the first on screen appearance of uh, uh, James Earl Jones and uh, Carrie Fisher together because they had not. Oh. Oh yeah, because he always just did the voiceover. Yeah, interesting. And he he, he ding dong dishes her, and she comes out with like a bat. It's like, do this, this to Carrie Fisher. She's crazy. Ding dong dishes her with a bat. She's like, it's not funny, James. And he's like, then why am I laughing? <laughs> I just that feel is... like that was just being like like ridiculously silly. That's awesome. That's... That's a show I definitely want to watch. It, I know it gets a lot of flack <laughs> because it's got like, you know, it's not all awesome, but like there's, if you're into like comics and such, there's a lot of references and things like that that make it more enjoyable from that angle. But like, you know, there's plenty not, of funny stuff. Oh, yeah. There's a, a lot, lot of the people who are in it also went on to do bigger things, too. So that's generally a good sign. Yeah, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good jokes in it. There's a lot of stuff that falls flat. And I just it just didn't land with me at the same time. But there's yeah, a lot there's there's a that. there are there is a lot of good in that show for sure. Plus, yeah, like, a, like, plus, like, they're all stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. Plus, that they even plus they're like, you know, I'm an, I'm an engineer. So they'll throw a lot of like abstract concepts in there and like. There's some like I, I was taking a lot of like, you know, high higher level engineering classes and stuff. And I, and I was like, oh, I get that now because it's like I'm actually learning about it. in some of my classes and stuff like that. So there's a lot of like I don't want to say nice like, that they actually use real stuff. Yeah, I don't want to say like smart people humor because it's not really it. But like they have a lot of like actual scientific concepts that come up in the show as well. Well, one of the main characters, Sheldon, he often rags on another one of the main characters for being an engineer and not a scientist or not a uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> all right on that note well, we completely i've actually completely well, stopped talking about this oh, before, <laughs> if we are rapping i do have i do have just a, a bunch of other bullet points to rattle off unless sure, there yeah. were unless as, there was something per, else unless there's something else you guys wanted to touch on yeah <laughs> matthew's myth matthew's mis miscellaneous notes and then we could end with us scoring it on 1 to 10, because I don't think we opened with that like we normally do. So, yeah, we'll end on that. Here we go. So the, as with Fantastic, these will be in chronological order uh, in the movie. Um, partic this, particularly in the beginning part of this movie, Johnny says, ha-ha, at the end of every single line, and it's permanently <laughs> engraved in my crazy mind. Story. <laughs> Such <laughs> a crazy story, Mark. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> Um, well, the funny thing is, Johnny uh, Tommy also does that in real life. Oh, does he? That's like actually how he talks. <laughs> yeah, he I does feel like real, all does of his lines, life. all of his lines are definitely just how he talks in real life. Oh yeah, that's definitely. Funny. But that's one of the things he does is he'll add like a creepy laugh on it. And people, he think I think he and Greg I think he says he thinks he's being funny, but he just comes off as creepy and weird to everybody yep. else. Yes, he does. I can confirm. Um, Lisa's pizza order is horrific. She orders half Canadian bacon and pineapple, half artichoke with pesto and light on the cheese, which, ugh. If she's not a terrible person for cheating on her fiancé so many times, she's a terrible person just for that. Just for that pizza. Yes. Um, let's see. 
Uh, it's established at some point that Johnny doesn't drink, but then Lisa pressures him to drink by saying it's good for you, which is absolutely something an alcoholic would say to a non-alcoholic <laughs> in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, for so the scene where he shows up on the roof, I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. That scene, uh, it cuts to Mark sitting in a, um, tank top with a football to show that he is a strapping athletic young man and the, then, football is, the football go is in many scenes it's, football is a rec- I, I have would say that football for, deserves an acting credit yeah literally credit on there because but john it includes the football because johnny sees it as in a very very a very uh american uh machismo uh symbol and i will say this <laughs> John, you'll if you read the book, you'll find this. But Tommy Wiseau's pa- American patriotism is second to none. He <laughs> loves America. That's awesome. Because he probably got here on accident. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one really knows how he got here. He just, just kind of showed up. He's an alien. Yep. Um, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Written, I, it's funny that you say that because I have written here. Apparently, the ultimate way to kill time is by loosely tossing a football around. Because there that happens go. at least three to four times with in, various different groups full, of people. In your full tuxedo for the wedding that is oh, yeah, yeah. still <laughs> three months There's out. There's a scene where yep. they play fo- they play football in full tuxedo- tuxedos. And then Peter trips and falls on his face and says, I'm done. Yeah. And, then a, to... and apparently uh, Tommy like worked out like crazy so that he would mm-hmm. look in shape for the role. Sure seems oh, yeah. like it, which, yeah. Which his arms are like really really toned they are <laughs> yeah. he definitely toned. looks in shape for the movie uh-huh he's very he's uncomfortably in shape <laughs> i know <laughs> that's a great way of putting it uh and you that... can see it in his face too mm-hmm. yeah his cheeks are really toned you can see the the picture on the right of the graphic you can kind of see it a little bit um in that scene on the roof johnny and mark repeatedly keep sitting down and standing back up over the course of their discussion um there's another great line that i don't think we touched on which they're they meet they're in an alley for some reason uh johnny runs into mike and then eventually denny and mark also show up oh yeah i know what you're talking about (laughs) and then at some and then denny says something like hey mike you should join us and mike says i gotta go see michelle and make out with her yep there's also a part where he's he's recounting the story of him get him and michelle getting caught uh, have, uh, you know, doing stuff in John oh, yeah. apartment, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he uh forgets his underwear. And he and goes Claudette underwear, you know. <laughs> it's like I forget, and she found me underwears. <laughs> Mike is such a strange dude for only being in like two scenes. He's so weird. He he's he's in the entire movie, and it's insane. He was originally—I yeah. forgot to mention this—the Chris R scene was originally shot on the uh, alley bet, the alley set, oh. and and Mike was there in the set in the scene, <laughs> and and he just got cut from the neck from the uh, the new version. <laughs> they couldn't figure out how to place him on the the roof. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in that alley, I forgot how it came about, but at some point in that scene in the alley, Mark shoved Mike down with the force of the Incredible Hulk. Uh, he throws <laughs> him, he, uh, he 
I think he throws a football at him. Something like that, yeah. Uh, there's a scene where Lisa and her mom come walking into the apartment, and that, and then she starts talking about Johnny, and like it's like very a very private discussion that they don't want Johnny to hear. But why would you have that conversation in his apartment? Was my also question. doesn't she leave after like one minute? She I comes have, in, talks I have and that, then leaves. <laughs> I have that note written further down here that says Claudette is never in a scene for longer than two minutes before saying she needs to leave. Claudette <laughs> is also Johnny's number one fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she loves Johnny. She, she also at one point informs Lisa that she doesn't need to marry for love. That Lisa, that Claudette didn't even love Lisa's father when they got married, and Lisa's like, <laughs> "You never told me that." <laughs> that's pretty much how she said it too <laughs> uh let's see what else oh yeah johnny's johnny hears this discussion and then when the, and then they both leave and so he gets he says like i i i he says something to the extent of i'm going to record them that will be proof or something so he sets up a recording <laughs> device downstairs in his own house and then promptly sneaks back upstairs despite nobody else being there <laughs> Yeah, and also it sure takes like a I'll whole minute it. of screen time to set up the recorder. Yeah, I'll they show, show you. I'll show them. I'll, Nothing I, is implied. Rec- it's like I think. It's like I'll I'll show them. I'll record everything. I'll get something. I forget. What, yeah, it's sorry. something like that. Yeah, but the funny thing is that it, he puts in he puts a recorder on it with like a ninety minute tape, <laughs> and funny thing is. He actually used that in real life to record his conversations on the phone. Really? <laughs> yeah. So whenever oh he, he would put somebody on, he would put somebody on speakerphone, and he would just record the conversation. He did it often with <laughs> Bart, with uh, Greg, and Greg said. So whenever I heard him put, I only learned this uh, years later. And whenever he puts me on speakerphone, I would always just hang up. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. Um. Mark and uh, Peter confronts Mark on the roof while Mark is smoking a joint, I presume. And then Mark oh, yeah. attempts to kill Peter by like hanging yeah. him kind of over the edge of the wall of the roof. And <laughs> yeah. then he tries to throw him off the roof. Yeah. And then he lets go of him or whatever and apologizes. And Peter immediately forgives him. No questions the asked. Quickest, the quickest forgiven attempted murder in history of the world. Yep. There's a great scene where they're preparing for, I think it's their wedding photos or something, because it's the scene where they all show up in their tuxes. But what I found, yeah. what I thought was really funny about it was that Denny, Peter, and Mark all show up like in quick succession. Like Denny, like Denny shows up, and then, like I think Denny shows up first, and then Johnny greets him, and he comes in. Door closes. They say like two lines to each other. Then there's another knock at the door or something. Peter comes in. Same thing. And then another knock at the door, and Mark comes in, and there's a big reveal that he shaved or something. And it's yeah. like, they couldn't be bothered to write a scene that was a little more involved to make it look more natural. Instead, it's just, oh, hi, Danny, da-da-da-da-da, ding-dong. Oh, hi, Peter, da-da-da-da, ding-dong. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> it's such a weird Mark, scene to uh, watch. Greg originally, Johnny kept pestering him to shave the beard, and but uh, Greg refu- refused, and he said in the, he says in the book that he planned on keeping the beard as a way to hide, disguise himself out of being the uh being inside being in the room and then uh he was going to have himself be credited as Greg Pesto. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That would have been really funny just another like piece of trivia to add. It's like that's not actually his name. Yeah, cuz he wanted to like cuz he was he was he was an actor and he acted in a few things. 
Yeah, uh, like like this. we were saying, you know, the only one that thought this movie would be good was mm-hmm. Tommy. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where there's another random scene where Mark comes over and they begin Lisa and Mark begin making out again, but there's a knock at the door. And then before Mark can finish putting his shirt back on, Lisa <laughs> invites the person in, just leaving him hanging yeah. and making it immediately obvious what was going on beforehand, which is like, way to go, Lisa. <laughs> he also puts his shirt on for like a whole 15 seconds. He takes way too long to it turned inside out. He like had to take it out, take it off. You know it like, was unintentional. Right. That's just like how it, that's just how it rolled in the moment. Oh, yeah, and they're no like, doubt. we're keeping that. We have to keep that. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Uh there's a scene where uh Lisa Lisa's being confronted by New Peter at the party and then Johnny and Michelle Peter. come in. Yes. Johnny and Michelle come in and then they literally there's 5 seconds of dialogue and then Lisa just goes, "Let's go back outside." And they're like, "Oh, okay." And they just go right back outside. A wonderful party. You invited all of my friends. <laughs> what a great idea, I think he says. Yeah. Um and then the scene where Claudette's never in a scene for more than two minutes before saying she needs to leave. There were no random obscure uh, sports for me to try to figure out what the actual game was like I did for Fan <laughs> So nothing on that. But I think that's all the ones I got written here that I wanted to touch on. <laughs> I'll have to look for a new movie next time to, with an obscure sport in it for you to find. I actually have a great idea for a, for a movie we should look at for a future review. I'll tell you after... I'll tell you afterward. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, mysterious. It's one that it's one that I've heard some crazy things about, just like how nonsensical it is and stuff. So it's definitely one for consideration. All right. Anyway, do we want to give this movie one out of ten ratings, like always? All right, let's give it a one ratings. out of ten rating. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a one out of ten. <laughs> I gen- genuinely, I don't know what I don't know what to do with this here i have i have two different scores for this okay comparing it to the basis of every other movie out there like if this is like comparing itself to a feature film yeah give it a one makes sense entertainment wise (laughs) it's probably like a seven and a half or an eight it's it's entertaining it's entertaining but at the same time i just had such a hard time with some of the scenes the way that they the dialogue, the cadence, the like the way the scenes unfolded and such, where I had a really hard time sitting through certain scenes where it's just like, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. this is dragging. Or if oh, I were was, to watch this, what alone, a weird line. If I were to watch this alone instead of with you guys in person, it would have gone from like a seven and a half or an eight to all the way down to like a two or three. I watched it's, it. It's on, one of those uh, movies where, like, if you watch it with with friends, you can laugh at it, and it actually, you know, it's funny. And but that's that's how you have to watch actual like bad or written movies. Yep. I before yeah. we started a couple hours before we started recording, I watched. I'd put it on and watched it on times two speed, just because it's been a little. <laughs> it, it's been a little while since we got together and watched it, so I wanted to make sure I still like remembered everything. So yeah. I, I just watched it again. And, and even in times two speed, some of the scenes were like really dragging. I'm like, gosh, <laughs> this is taking forever. <laughs> I also I feel like I was able to break up the movie uh, pretty well when we watched it in person. I had to pee three times during it. So. Yeah. Yeah. You had an active black bathroom banks. You're the bathroom. This is why I don't drink. Day. This is why I don't drink uh, anything other than water when I go to see a movie. Because <laughs> anything caffeinated or like. 
you know, juice or pop, really anything that's not water, makes me pee like crazy. <laughs> that's wild. So yeah, you're right. You, yeah, and I you had ba- like you a, basically I had, had a caffeinated tea, and I I kid you not, I had three full peas. <laughs> yeah, you had like, an hour and a half. <laughs> you had like three like full blown intermissions. And just, yeah. you basically broke the movie up into quarters. <laughs> I did. All right. <laughs> All right, transitioning from Dawson's uh, Piathon to back to the uh, <laughs> ranks. So, Dawson, you gave it a, a 7 a out, of, out of 10. Eight. <laughs> you gave it like well, yeah, what, a 3 well, out of 10 on an actual movie scale. What is, yeah, uh, what is the scale, scale we're actually going for here? If it. it like I said, I have kind of two rankings for it. Yeah. Feature film, like it's a one, because it is a not. One. It is not a good, like written movie. Like the mm-hmm. lines are oh, really yeah. bad. But in terms of entertainment and watching it for like for laughs and making fun of it, seven and a half, eight. So yeah, okay, Matthew. Um, for in terms of it being, I'll I'll do I'll follow a similar boat to Dawson. I guess I did. So for it being a movie, movie. I'm going to give it a 2 out of 10, and the only reason I'm not giving it a 1 is because the lines, Hi, doggy, and I just saw you, what are you talking about, <laughs> were enough to give it an additional point because both of those lines made me laugh quite hard. So I'll bump nice. it up to a 2 out of 10 for a movie movie. In terms of entertainment, um, I'll give it a 6. And I'm not going to go as high as Dawson, but again, it's just so chaotic and nonsensical that it's hard to not, like at least get yeah. some enjoyment out of watching what a beautiful what a beautiful mess this movie is. A beautiful disaster. <laughs> yeah. A beautiful disaster. I tried not to say yeah. that because that's a movie that's coming out the, yeah. a couple months, <laughs> I guess. We were just talking about that pre show, so I didn't want to like I didn't want to use that that movie title. But yeah, a beautiful disaster would be a great way to describe this movie. Yeah. So alright, yeah. So I'll I think I'll I'll get with you guys as well and Say on an actual real movie scale, I say this is probably this would be a one. This movie is, I mean, if you're comparing it to the real movies and you're trying to watch an action, watch it for its cinematic value, it's terrible, it's pointless, it's one of the worst movies ever made. It <laughs> goes nowhere and no, and you can barely understand it at times. But for the entertainment value of watching it as a bad movie, it's a 10. It's a 10 on the scale <laughs> of a bad movie. It's so fun. It's so stupid. And watching people watch it for the, for the first time is one of the most one of the best enjoyments you can get out of life. This is it's, the it, bad movie. It is. The this bad is movie. this is the bad movie. But one of the Sorry, movie, Ohio, we're taking the from you again. Yeah. <laughs> Another movie us. we'll probably watch. We'll watch some di- somewhere down the line is uh, the Birdemic movie. That's a movie that's a terrible movie to watch, but to watch other people watch it, it's one of the best. I think I'm. A, I think I'm actually a little more excited to watch that one than I was to. Is watch that one, one is just. We'll talk about it when we get to it, but that yeah, one yeah. is that one's this experience as well. So, but yeah, all as right. Andrew as that's... Andrew has said, for all you math blasters out there, that's a one point three repeating for being an actual movie <laughs> and an eight for being entertaining. Amongst Which, the three of us. I love that you a one point three. Remembered, I said that. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's one of the things that has stuck with me. You go. I all forgot. I forgot what I out there. Yeah, I forgot what I said, but you said it so like sarcastically. <laughs> it just stuck in my head. So one point uh, three is only point two points lower than the show Velma. 
Why is on that? IMDb. Why is that? You're like, <laughs> why is that? What's the crap's the word I'm looking for? Um, not indicator. What the crap's the word? Man. Benchmark. <laughs> yeah, the benchmark. That's the word. Why is that your benchmark <laughs> for the day? Because it's terrible. Because it, is, it terrible. is genuinely probably the most terrible thing that's come out in like. 10 to 20 years. I believe that. <laughs> I have seen clips that just make me go, why? So why this was movie, this made? So this movie's only slightly worse than that in terms of just being a movie. But in the terms entertainment of our value, opinion. But the yeah. entertainment value makes up for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the clips of Velma I've seen are not even entertaining. So exactly. like, this, this yeah. wins over that. This 100% wins over that. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us and listening to our review. Uh, we hope you'll join us next time for our next episode. If you want to keep up to date with us on all all your podcasts of choice, make sure to follow us and or subscribe to us on whatever uh, platform you listen to our podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media for updates about new episodes and all the like. On, you can follow us on Instagram at the.nbn.podcast on Instagram and at the official Nothing But Nonsense page on facebook uh thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time later y'all bye mark